Welcome to the Horror Unmasked podcast, where we unmask the monsters and, and explore, explore the lore. Today, we will be dissecting the black phone. Let's answer the call. The movie begins with a minor league baseball game in Denver, Colorado, 1978. We see a small boy at pitch named Finney Blake, while his sister Gwen cheers him on in the, in the stand. The boy at bat, Bruce, finally hits a home run after striking out twice. At the end of the game, Bruce tells Finney that he played a good game and that his arm is mint. Bruce is then seen riding his bike out around the neighborhood, while at the same time, Finney is shooting rockets off at the baseball diamond. All of a sudden, the scene fades to black as a black van comes towards Bruce ominously. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Back at the Blake residence, the morning before, a day of work and school, Finney's father is hung over and agitated over the smallest of sounds. On their way to school, the Blake siblings see a fight break out between a bully named Moose and a small but efficient fighter, Robin. The crowd gathers as Robin beats Moose to a pulp. Not wanting to watch anymore, Finney walks away as Gwen follows. On their walk to school, the same ominous black van drives behind them as they discuss a man called the Grabber, who has been taking boys off the street, never to be seen again. After one of Finney's classes, he walks out to discover three boys that follow him into the bathroom where they start to bully him. Before they can do much, though, Robin walks in to clean his bloody knuckles from pummeling Moose. Robin then begins to talk friendly to Finney, then threatening to fuck up the boys who planned on messing with him. The three boys leave as Robin tells Finney he's going to have to stand up for himself at some point. Robin and Finney then share a moment about movies and helping out with homework. During this, Gwen gets called to the front office by some detectives asking her what she told Bruce's sister about her brother. She tells them it was just a dream she had about Bruce, that he was taken by someone with a black van and black balloons. The detectives reveal that parts of her dream were true, but they had not disclosed the information about the balloons to the public and wondered if she was lying. Gwen flips out, asking the detectives if they think she was the grabber, calling them dumb fucking fart knockers. <laughs> it's so good. Best. The best. When she calms down, she tells the detectives that sometimes her dreams are right. While Gwen stays the night at her friend's house, usually on Fridays, Finney stays home to watch over their drunk father. Finney falls asleep in front of the TV and wakes the next morning to find his sister getting whipped with a belt by their father. Mr. Blake screams at Gwen as he continues to hit her, asking why the police showed up at his work. Gwen threatens to drop his bottle of alcohol if he hits her again. As he lunges at her, she drops it, causing him to hit her more, telling her that her dreams are just dreams and she is not her mom. Finney joins Gwen in the living room to comfort and watch TV with her as she recovers from the beating. The scene changes to our fighter boy, Robin, walking behind what looks like a supermarket. He walks straight towards the black van, which is also parked behind the big building. In a blurried view, the grabber steps out of the vehicle and walks menacingly towards Robin. The scene changes again to a view of a bunch of houses where phones are ringing all over the place, including the Blake house. 
Mr. Blake answers the phone, and when he hangs up, he asks Finney if he knew a kid, Robin Ariano, revealing he's gone missing. After the call, there is a huge search party with police and many people from town helping to look for our missing fighter. Later at night, Finney asks Gwen if she could have a dream about Robin to find out where he went or where he was taken. Gwen unfortunately has not had any dreams, and Finney asks her to try. Back in her room, Gwen asks Jesus to give her a dream or even a small sign that could help find the missing boys. The next morning, the same detectives from the school show up at the Blake house, asking if they could speak to Gwen about her dreams again. In another scene with Robin gone, the three boys from the bathroom are seen chasing Finney down the street and shove him to the ground. Gwen then shows up with a rock and slams one boy in the head, where he falls down and starts bleeding profusely. The other two boys push Gwen down and beat on Finney even more. Since it's Friday, after school, Gwen heads to her friend's house again, leaving Finney to walk home from school alone. While walking, he sees a black van parked next to the sidewalk, where a man with his face painted white comes from behind and drops his groceries all over the ground. Finney asks if the man needs help. When the man tells him that he's a part-time magician and asks if he wants to see a magic trick, Finney then notices balloons in the back of the van. The man opens the door to show him, when suddenly he grabs, gasses, and throws Finney in the back, but not before Finney was able to cut a gash into the grabber's arm with his rocket pen. Finney wakes with his vision blurred, lying on a dingy mattress in a cold, dark room. The grabber is sitting on the mattress with him, wearing a creepy, demon-like mask, telling Finney that everything is fine and that nothing bad will happen in this room. Hearing the phone ring in the other room, the grabber tells Finney that he'll be back with a soda and an explanation. Finney gets up from the mattress to explore the room and finds not much except another hideaway room with a light, a toilet, and some rugs. Next to the mattress, he also finds a black phone on the wall that is not connected to anything. Later at night, while Gwen is at her friend's house, she gets a call from her dad asking if she had seen Finney. Not seeing him since school, she runs out of the house to go straight home. In a silent scene back at the Blake home, the police are outside with the two detectives from before talking to her father. Before going to bed that night, Gwen prays for a dream when she hears the phone ring as the scene fades to Finney waking up in the room again. Finney picks up the phone in the room when the grabber comes in saying the phone hasn't worked since he was a kid and to hang it up. The grabber tells Finney that everything is all fucked up and he has to go back upstairs. While Finney tells him that he'll scream, the grabber slips that he won't hear anything and that the room is completely soundproof. Finney realizes and tells the grabber that he's the one who killed all the other boys, to which the grabber says it wasn't him and tells Finney to hang up the phone again. When the grabber leaves, Finney begins to scream for help but to no avail and looks for a way out. When he starts to say he's not getting out, the phone on the wall rings. Finney picks up to no one on the other end. While lying on the mattress, Finney sees the phone seeming to be breathing and discovers the grabber in the room with him, with only half his mask on. When the grabber leaves, 
Finney falls back asleep and wakes to the sound of the phone ringing again. When Finney answers, his name is whispered over the line. Freaked out, Finney hangs up, but the phone rings again and again. This time when Finney picks up, he hears a voice telling him not to hang up. The voice doesn't remember who he is, but tells Finney that they met once and that his arm is mint. Realizing the voice is Bruce, Finney asks if the phone rang for any of the other boys. Bruce tells him that it rang for all of them, except Finney and the Grabber are the only ones who can hear it. However, the Grabber refuses to believe that it actually rings. Bruce tells Finney that he's glad it's him, and then reveals that there's a loose tile in the hallway with a dirt section where he can dig out. A sequence of Bruce's life appears, which abruptly flashes to Finney, trying to break out of a house with an obvious number next to the door. As Gwen wakes up from her sleep, we see that the sequence was one of her dreams. Gwen goes out in the middle of the night to search for her brother as Finn starts to dig in the dirt section of the hallway, flushing the extra dirt down the toilet, covering the hole with one of the rugs. In the school gym, there's an assembly to notify the school that Finney has gone missing. The grabber is downstairs again, but this time with sustenance, eggs, and water. While leaving, it seems the grabber forgets to shut the door. Finney goes to open it, but the phone rings, and he answers it instead. When he answers, a different voice from a boy named Billy tells him not to go upstairs, because it's a trap. This boy doesn't remember his name either, only that he used to deliver the papers. He appears behind Finn, bloodied and corpse-like, speaking through the phone, unable to be seen by Finn. Paperboy tells Finn that if he goes upstairs, the grabber will be waiting to beat him with a belt. Finney starts to go upstairs, but stops at the top as the view pans to the grabber, sitting, bow-legged in a chair, shirtless in his mask, with a belt in his hand. Being smart, Finn goes back downstairs, puts the door back in its place, and gobbles down the eggs. Cut to Gwen asleep at her desk at school, where her teacher tells her to go take a nap in the nurse's office. Back in the basement, the phone rings again. Paperboy is back and tells Finney about a long cable that he hid in a crack under the wall. Gwen is asleep in the nurse's office as we see her dreaming about the paperboy and how he got grabbed, then showing a house with the grabber standing with his mask on in the yard next to a big, twisty tree. Waking up from her dream, she runs out of the room. Again in the basement, Finn finds the cord and tries to use it to pull the bars from the window. In a genius maneuver, he props the largest rolled-up rug against the wall towards the window and feeds the cord through around the window bars. Finn attempts to climb the rope, failing many times before he decides to tie a knot to get his footing. He is able to get to the ledge of the window and tries to open it only for the grate to come loose, causing him to fall to the ground with the grate. Gwen is back at home and asks her dad if he could listen to her without getting mad, asking about her dreams. Her dad opens up about her mom, saying that her dreams led her to kill herself and that he doesn't want the same path for his daughter. Gwen asks her dad what if her dreams could help them find Finney. Caving in, 
Gwen's dad takes her out to help the police look for Finney. The two detectives knock on one man's door, named Max. When they enter, they find that Max has been sleuthing this case on his own, with pictures, maps, and much more information on his wall about where the missing kids could be. Max tells the detectives that he doesn't actually live in the area, but is crashing with his brother for the time being. The detectives leave Max to his research and his cocaine that he left on the table, as the view pans down towards the basement where Finn is sitting on the mattress. Hearing the grabber come downstairs with food, he pretends to sleep. The grabber tells Finney he knows he's not asleep, saying he's thinking of letting Finn go if he tells him his name. Finn lies, causing the grabber to get upset, throwing the food on the ground and showing Finney the newspaper with his real name on it. As the grabber leaves, he tells Finn that he almost let him go and forgets to close the door again. The phone rings again, but no one answers as we see the grabber waiting upstairs again with the belt. As time passes, it seems like the grabber is falling asleep. Back down in the basement, Finney scrapes the eggs off the floor to eat. When he sits back on the mattress, he uses his rocket pen as a light to look around the room. As he looks across the room, he sees the body of a boy hanging in the air with his throat slashed. The boy points to the phone, leading Finn to pick it up. A different boy answers, named Griffin, telling Finn he doesn't have much time. He says that the grabber hasn't been sleeping, because he's worried his brother Max might figure out what is going on downstairs. Finn asks why the grabber hasn't killed him yet, to which the boy responds that he's not playing the game. In order for the grabber to win and to proceed in the game, Finn has to play along with Naughty Boy. The boy says that the grabber is asleep upstairs and that there's a combination lock on the storm door that used to belong to him. Knowing he's forgotten the combo, he carved it into the wall in the basement. Finn finds the number and in a heart-wrenching, palm-sweating state, he sneaks past the grabber to try and unlock the front door. Finally, Finn gets the door unlocked when a dog starts to bark violently, waking the grabber as Finn dashes out of the door. He runs down the street, screaming for help as the grabber jumps in his van to chase Finney down. He gets caught again, being pulled to the ground behind a bush as the neighbor's lights turn on. Threatening to strangle him with his own intestines, the grabber tells Finney to stay quiet. When the porch lights turn back off, the grabber knocks Finney out and puts him back in the basement. Gwen wakes up from sleep without a dream and gets angry at Jesus. She begins to question her faith, wondering why he would let Finney get taken in the first place. What the uh, fuck, Jesus? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If, I, if I'm correct, she said, fuck you <laughs> to, to God and Jesus. She's like, what the fuck, Jesus? Yeah. I love that. Okay, girl. <laughs> Again in the basement, Finney wakes to the phone ringing and is clearly pissed off. Giving in, he answers the phone to hear yet another boy's voice who belongs to Vance Hopper. He tells Vinny that this is it. The horrifying little nightmare end of your pathetic little life. Today's the day, motherfucker. We see that Hopper's eyes have been gouged out as it cuts to him playing pinball when he was alive. Right before he beats his high score, some knuckleheads bump into the machine, causing Vance to lose. 
A fight breaks out as Vance beats the boys up, carving the numbers 7741 into the arm of one of the boys. As Vance is being escorted to the cop car by the police, Gwen shows up in a dreamlike state and gets into the back seat with him. While riding in the car, we hear Finney's voice come from the police radio with the same conversation in the basement. The car stops in front of the same house from her earlier dream with the numbers 7741. Vance gets out of the car and kicks the gate to the house open. Gwen wakes up in the bath, taking in what she just saw in her dream. Still on the phone with Finney, Vance tells him about a storage freezer on the other side of one of the walls. He instructs him to break through the wall and unscrew the panel in the back to escape. Finney does as he's told, using the toilet tank lid to smash through the wall. Getting tired, Finney drinks toilet tank water and continues to smash. That's so gross. Yeah. You gotta do what you gotta do to survive. Uh, yeah. Fin you eat them floor eggs and you <laughs> you drink that toilet water. Yep. Floor eggs, toilet water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finally, he reaches the back of the freezer, using a part from the toilet to unscrew the bolts from the panel. That's that genius rocket, rocket, rocket mind, made. rocket science mind. Finney gets the panel off and squeezes through the hole into the freezer. As he tries to break through, he realizes that the freezer is bolted closed. Defeated, Finn crawls out of the freezer and begins to sob at his sense of impending doom. While he's crying, the phone rings again. Despite his defeat, Finney answers the phone to hear his old pal Robin on the oh. other end. I know. Sweet baby boy. Robin consoles Finn, telling him not to cry and that he's been with him the whole time. Robin reminds Finn about having to stand up for himself, saying today is the day. And if he can't kill the grabber, then Finn would have to do it for him. Robin then tells Finny to pack the phone receiver with dirt and tells him how to use it as a weapon. Robin practices with Finney to raise the phone, take a fast step back, step forward, step back, and swing. Robin informs Finn that this is the last call. After the call, Finn cuts the phone cord to bring it to the hole with the dirt and packs the receiver. We then see Gwen out in the rain looking for her brother on her bike when she falls after seeing a flash of the dead boy standing in front of her. As she gets up from the rain-soaked street, she stands to find herself in front of the house from her dreams, with the tree and the 7741 house number. Gwen gets back on her bike and goes straight home to call the detectives and tell them she found the house. The grabber is seen at the hardware store, clearly purchasing items for his next kill. Meanwhile, Max is back at the house, snorting cocaine and pondering about the case. You know, as you do, as you do, <laughs> as he looks up at the map he created, he realizes that his brother's house is at the center of all of the missing kids. After the detectives get Gwen's call, they suit up and dash out of the police station. At the same time, the black van is heading home while Gwen bikes furiously back to the house. Max goes to the basement door but is in denial about what could be down there. Spoiler warning ahead. Please skip. Back downstairs, Finn is pacing, preparing for his next move. 
He sees the phone breathing again as the lights for downstairs turn on as Max opens the door. Max freaks out and tries to tell Finney that everything is going to be okay. But before he can get another word out, the grabber comes down and puts an axe in his brother's head. Man, that's just fucked up. It really is. That man was, as the grabber said, he was an idiot. But he was the grabber's idiot. He was the grabber's idiot. Mm Mm-hmm. I find that to be endearing, but also really messed up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yup. Gwen is outside the house as the police and detectives arrive. She tells them to hurry as they go inside to check it out. Back in the basement, the grabber blames Finn for him having to kill his brother. The grabber yanks the axe out of Max's head as the police break down the door to the house from Gwen's dream. The grabber threatens Finney, saying that he's special and wants to take his time the grabber calls his dog downstairs and chains him next to the basement door the police enter the house to find it empty and abandoned the grabber lunges at finney who dodges and runs towards the toilet jumping over the hole he had dug as the grabber runs over to him finney uses the cable to trip him into the hole where the window grate at the bottom snaps his ankle Finney uses the phone to attack the grabber while in the hole. The grabber grabs him and tries to strangle him, but Finney takes off his mask, causing the grabber to freak out and cover his face. Finney repeatedly hits the grabber, jumping to the other side of the hole, and wraps the cord of the phone around his neck. As Finney is choking him, the phone rings. Finney tells the grabber, it's for him. As he puts the phone to his ear, we hear each boy say their phrases, Vance says, welcome to the nightmare end of your pathetic little life. The next kid, Griffin, laughs, saying, you don't have much time. Vance again, today's the day, motherfucker. Robin's voice, I can't kill you, so Finn is going to do it for me. And finally, Bruce's voice says, Finn's arm is mint. As Finny snaps the grabber's neck with the phone cord killing him instantly fuck yeah hell yeah that is so ooh, so vindicating <laughs> yes ooh. finn goes to leave where the dog is still blocking the door meanwhile the police find a door being blocked by a shelf finny grabs a steak from the freezer and tosses it to the dog and heads upstairs as the police head downstairs into what seems to be a different basement with a dirt floor There are very distinct piles in the floor, the perfect size for the bodies of the missing boys. The detectives figure out that the grabber clearly kills his victims at a different location and buries the bodies here. Finn reaches the combination lock and is finally able to unlock the door and walk out. As more police show up, Gwen sees her brother stepping out of the house from across the street. She runs to him and hugs him tight. The detectives exit the other house and notice Finn as well. They run over and Finn tells the police, basement. While Finn and Gwen are sitting in the back of an ambulance, their father shows up crying and apologizing. The case is cracked. All bodies have been found. Finney was saved. The grabber is dead. Walking into school like a motherfucking G. (laughs) Finney goes through the halls as everyone stares and whispers about how he killed the grabber. He's now probably the most famous person in his school. Even his bullies won't mess with him anymore. The The end. end. Slay. Yo. Whew. 
Oh, hands this... down, my favorite movie that we've watched. Very Honestly, yeah. vindicating. Very powerful. Wrapped up well. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. Very yes. Yeah. Um, Beautifully made. Yes. Beautifully made. It literally had my heart in my stomach. Oh, for so much of it. And just the ooh, when you get to hear. When at that end, mm. when that phone rings and he yep. says, it's for you. And every one of those those boys gets to fucking basically they say, say their piece. Like, Fuck you yeah. for doing this shit. We got vindicated. And just the clean, yep. healthy crack of his neck. Yep. So satisfying. It's so satisfying. In I'm the not, darkest way. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, though. I was still afraid somehow he was going to like yes. get back up. Yes. Even with his broken ankle mm-hmm. and his snapped neck and like come for him. Oh, but I'm just like, dude, when that snap happened, I was like, fuck you. No, yeah, it was very, it was, she was good. Amazing ending. So very good. well wrapped up. Yes. And it kind of, God, we'll get into it. But like all of the steps ended up working out perfectly because even the freezer with the dog with steak. Yes. Every like how the fuck were there just enough in that like you're right perfect it was like every single thing that the previous boys had given him like all the information ended up helping him in the end and i think that honestly like all of the so reasons cool. why most of those boys probably died yeah because mm-hmm. i want to get into that yep so but it's also like he was smart enough to like use the things that yes. the boys were giving him like the grate in the mm-hmm. bottom of the pit instead of digging his way out it was a hole to like yeah trap the grabber because i think that definitely when i think for that part at least it was because it he wasn't successful in getting the window open right so he's thinking on his feet yeah so i don't really understand why people were like the rocket thing doesn't make any sense it does because it shows he was smart enough to put Mm -hmm. all these things together yeah like that's what he was interested in probably what he wanted to do with his future yeah yeah so he had to be smart enough yeah so and i love that yeah and uh, the movie was released June 24th, 2022. The director is Scott It was 2022? Mm-hmm. Yeah. On here, it says... 2022? 2022. I think that's right, because I think it came out, and then immediately HHN had a house for it. Yeah. Like, there was, like, no in-between. Like, they barely gave people time to watch it before they had a house like, for honestly, it. Like, honestly, fact. Same with Freaky. Well, they're also going to do that... They're doing that with the with Chucky and the Exorcist. Yeah. So. I don't know why they do that. Maybe the house is to like hype people up to go watch the movie. But after I went to the house for Black Phone, I did not watch the movie for like a year. And I'm so mad. We'll get into it. We'll get into that. I love how we're already getting into it. We haven't even said something. So. Yes. Um, Director. Scott Derrickson. Who also did Sinister. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and something else yeah this movie was based on a series of like spooky scary stories by uh joe hill mm-hmm. who is stephen king's son he's no way stephen king's son he's stephen king's son okay so i was correct no okay. wonder this is so good yeah it's fucking good yes oh that just makes me think about the next movie we're gonna do and a review that i read <laughs> The bogeyman. That is about Stephen King. That's crazy. Anyway. Okay. So our main actors, uh, hail to Ethan Hawke 
as the grabber. Ethan Ethan Hawke honestly crushed it. His villain era is good. Oh yeah, He's Moon Knight good. and this came out around like what the same time? Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like or one after the other. Mm-hmm. yeah he's mm-hmm. in his villain arc yeah he's in a, he's he's but he seems like such a sweet man honestly wait till you find out what i have in here later it's fucking hilarious okay slay anyway <laughs> um mason thames 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 i'm gonna say thames thames yeah finney blake and madeline mcgraw as gwen blake what i love about that is that madeline mcgraw is the sister to what the main girl in um megan like the little girl oh yeah and then yeah. she's also in hill house she's yes she's little oh my god <laughs> stop nelly she's I little nelly. nelly i love i love both of those things so um, i love that they're related and then we've got miguel mora as robin tristan pravong as bruce jacob morin as billy brady hepner as vance Banks Repita? Repita? <laughs> this is funny. I think As Griffin. Every time. All these motherfuckers with their goddamn weird ass effing last names. I love names. how every time we go into the into filming, like we don't practice it before. We just know the F it. we don't. We just we figure it out. There and we're just like, we'll figure it out. Real time, guys. Real time. So moving on. <laughs> right. The budget of the film was actually uh between 16 to 18 million and they made but 10 they, times that. Box office they made yeah. Sick. 10 times that in box mm-hmm. office. It's uh 161.4 million mm-hmm. USD. Holy bejesus. Crazy. That's a lot. Oh yeah, of moolah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Got so. a, but it's Blumhouse so else is always good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i heard i was reading that it got a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes when i looked it up no it doesn't it was 82 percent. yeah it's in so, the 80s yeah uh, there was a lot of like reviews that were saying it was like i don't know why this has a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes i'm like it doesn't that might have been closer to when it was it released. initially released it's probably true because if People are positively reviewing. The problem is with with looking at reviews for movies that have come out too recently. Yeah. The reviews are really swayed one way or the other. It's good to let a little bit of time pass so that, you know. So I think it's going to sit and stay at an 82. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So set in the 70s. Which I love. I love everything about this. Mm-hmm. It's set in mm-hmm. the 70s. It's true crime. It's got yep. some psychic elements in there. Yes. Like, please. Yes. Are you kidding? Yes. I'm a fan. The style, like the clothing, mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Except for the fact that obviously the 70s was big on serial killers. Yes, that is the biggest, one of the big Huge. inspirations, especially yeah. of the director. Because he really wanted to focus on making sure that this film was not a like rose-tinted glasses version of the 70s. He wanted right. to make it real. Yeah. So during the 70s, it was... Uh, like there was ted bundy yes and we had uh what was it well john wayne gacy which is also like a big inspiration for the grabber whose original name is albert in the book oh my god i'm sorry i don't a man named albert coming at me i'm gonna laugh at you in the face (laughs) (laughs) um please you are not the grabber your name is albert Albert. (laughs) 
but yeah but that was just the inspiration in the books and they completely like changed that around because obviously gay caesar he dressed as clown and he was yes. a bigger guy mm-hmm. and all of these things yeah but that's just not because he they did because he said the movie is set in the 70s um and they didn't want to obviously like i said rose tinted glasses mm-hmm. and it's not for nostalgia of the 70s and for him he didn't look back at that period with a lot of fondness as like he didn't really enjoy enjoy it unfortunately as he was growing up because Mm -hmm. of the family dynamics that he had Mm -hmm. um but all like for him he wanted it to be more themed about like the aftermath of the charles manson murders right the ted bundy moving through colorado killing women uh, and that all whole trial, basically that, and then just, you know, natural, unfortunately, more often violence between children. Yeah. And that's it's why... It's not I, as often as now, comparatively. Right. I think that's one of the reasons why my mom resonated with this so much, because she, like, she was a fighter. She was, like, our boy Robin, and then yeah. Gwen. Yeah. And I was like, really? That's how... That's how kids were back then? Yeah, y'all. That's brutal. That sucks ass. <laughs> yeah, no. I've never swung fists in my life. Never once. Except like karate, but that wasn't a... I was always able to talk my way out of things. A controlled setting where we were purposefully doing that to each other. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was always able to talk my way out of things. That's good. Yeah, that's how it should be. Unless it's like manipulative and mean. Manipulative, mean different true fair i mean like manipulative in a mean way no if you're manipulating a situation to like so that i don't get my shit get, kicked in yeah yeah fine mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that's the way you should go about it <laughs> also just avoid effing conflict yeah if people want to fight go for it shit mm-hmm. i was the kid who like saw one of my friends getting in a fight and i saw him flick off another kid when it was like what the third grade and i was like oh i gotta go tell teacher <laughs> i was that dickhead you were i was i did it one time but I was also those that- kids were the bane of my existence because I would do shit like that, and then kids would constantly tell on me. No, 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 no. Because here's the truth: I was also that kid. I was a dickhead in high school. <laughs> if I knew you were skipping class in the fucking bathrooms, I would rat your ass out so fast, girl. I was a dick. That's I was messed like, up. I'm fucking with your fun time you while don't you hang out in the bathroom. Anyone. You dipshit. Oh wow. Maybe don't do dumb shit when I'm the fuck around. <laughs> Did people like you in high school? No one knew it was me. Oh, <laughs> they do now. <laughs> you know what? It already happened. Haha. True. Like, you're probably over it by now. Like, it's been like, like honestly. How long has it been? Almost a decade? Don't remind me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Holy the shit. eye roll you just gave. <laughs> Holy shit. Ooh, that's my bad. God. It, oh, yeah. Ooh, my life but flashing before my eyes. That's okay. Um,. <laughs> Oh, what was I going to say? Kind of talking on the life experience that he had, unfortunately. Yeah. He made a comment about the fact that he grew up in a very violent household and a violent neighborhood. Um, He said that when he was eight years old, a friend of his who lived nearby knocked on his door and told him that his mother had just been murdered. Oh, my God. And that there was also a lot of domestic violence in his house uh, and, and in the homes of the children who he grew up with it was scary violent place to grow up in and i tried to bring the reality of that to the film i look derrickson i'm so sorry you had to go through that shit in your life but hey you're using 
it as a as like a growing point because honestly this is a very powerful film he's using his trauma and he's taking it and he has a good outlet yes yes which is good and i hope this is how he's healed oh yeah or at least to some degree right i mean obviously yeah trauma's trauma it sticks with you forever however there are ways to cope and to deal with things and this is a good one yeah 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 but apparently he said that all the ghost kids are like kids he knew in real life like especially themed after yeah especially robin ariano um which is a kid he was friends with Mm. and so apparently some of the things uh that robin said in the movie were things like the kid that he knew said like word for word oh yeah like things that he after okay wait hold on yeah he said word for word he said some of the things he says in the movie are verbatim things that i remember him saying to me after watching him pulverize this kid's face behind us behind the safeway across from our middle school damn i felt like i had a good understanding of the various children that could flesh out this movie so like yeah i think that's why it's so good at like because it feels accurate for the time yes because he pulled from his genuine experiences because he was a kid yeah that lived in that time i mean even um ethan was looking at it and being like this kid is like wearing clothes that i would have worn right he was the same age as him when ethan started in the film film world yeah he was a child actor yep he was a child actor yeah he said he was the same age as mason and and here's the thing it actually works towards the film because he even remembers that his mom would tell him to watch out for vans and don't take like don't let anyone give you candy yeah like things they actually had to look for in the 70s because the murder was so high because serial killers for some reason the 70s were full of serial killers Mm -hmm. like yes we still have serial killers to this day but comparative to the fucking 70s holy shit something what was in the water oh yeah (laughs) what what was in the air of people that just i think it definitely has to do with you know time period things going on in the world and in our country and yes things affecting people in that way um yeah but that's a whole other rabbit hole to go down like oh why serial killers started to become so prominent in that time period that's yeah that's a lot of research and charts and things oh yeah oh yeah but yeah i mean and um kind of in like a back and forth of a interview that was done with like hawk it was kind of like he he referred to the film as there's an aspect of it where he's like it's a classic coming of age tale set in a horror film yes because it's true he actually found it moving when he when he was doing when he realized it because if you can overcome the grabber you can overcome anything right and honestly i really like this because it's actually true um it says he said that if horror movies have a value the value lives in helping us work through our anxiety and fear and showing us that it is an emotion that can be uh, navigated i think that's what i enjoy about it when a horror movie is well done, you can learn from it. You weren't actually in danger, but your heart pounded as though you were, and you learned something from it. And so it's kind of like a thrill ride. If it's well made, it leaves you with ideas and feelings that you might not have had otherwise. True. And that's honestly really powerful because, like, 
certain movies you might not be moved by. Right. But other people might be moved by that film for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And it's always interesting, like, just the idea of the fact that we had gone and saw the movies that we just recently watched. And the idea that one affected me more than it affected you. Yeah. Like, I have that experience all the time where, like, a certain movie... I love it so much and I want someone else to love it just as much. And then yeah. they like kind of don't. And I'm yeah. like, damn, I guess it just or hits like, me in a different spot. You're surprised it didn't affect the person as much. As much or the same. Yeah. Because like, even for me, like when I got out of the movie, I had a dark, like deep, dark, heavy pit. And I did right not, in here. I didn't feel that. Like I had it in my throat to hear. Yeah. For context, we went and saw some movies today and it just, I don't know. They were, yeah. They were good. They they were good. They were movies. good. They just didn't. Uh, one of them, both of them, you will hear soon because they are next months. So look forward to those. But yeah, and we'll get into more of it then. But right, yeah. Actually, the original story was set in Galesburg, Illinois. They actually moved it to Denver, Colorado, because that's where he was from. Because Which, that's where the director was from. That's where my dad is from, and it's oh. where he like grew up a little bit so when he saw that the movie was set there he was like yo <laughs> yo i lived here <laughs> yo i yo i know that which street. is what made well. <laughs> me love it just a little bit more yeah because you're you have someone who actually lived in the area and could like visually look at the area and be like oh yeah like this looks right for and honestly that shows the set design and making sure everything mm-hmm. looked right because yep. if someone who lived there can look at it and be like oh yeah oh yeah that that yep. looks like it, it's from there exactly you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is funny. Okay. Ethan didn't actually want to take the role. No! He didn't want to because he was not yet doing villains. And he also didn't want to be a child killer. He didn't want to play oh, a child killer. I did read that, that he didn't want to really be a child killer. Which I, makes sense. But but it has to do with, like, given the characters and obviously the plot description. However, he at least agreed to read the script. And right. literally less than 24 hours after, he called the director and left a message on his phone in the creepy grabber voice. No. As he read one of the lines from the script before he told him that he would take the role. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. He basically brought a deep understanding to the character to, of the uh, to the role. And his performance in the fil- film is complex, frightening, moody, and like anything that he had ever done before as an actor. That's beautiful. And it was good. He did yeah. a great he did so good. There are some things that he says in this where I'm like, ooh. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Where yes. he's like, I just wanted to look at you. Stop. Ooh, ooh. And like the, like him weirdly trying to be like conversational. Right. Because here's the thing. Earlier in the story description, when he first brings Finn to the basement mm-hmm. and Finn is sitting there and he's yeah. like I'm gonna bring yes. you a coke and some food mm-hmm. there's no phone ringing no when he's like do you hear the phone I'm if like, you put the subtitles oh. on it says there's a phone ringing Yo, and I'm like that's what wild. but you don't I couldn't there's hear no it at phone all ringing. and I'm like oh that gives me chills that there's gave no me chills. phone ringing but yet the subtitles feel like it's okay to put that in there motherfuckers what you doing right because I sure as shit don't hear it I don't hear it and now you're making me feel like those ghost kids that mm-hmm. didn't effing hear it but that brings me to a couple points actually yeah go for it I don't know how I'm gonna segue into both of them we'll figure it out just say segue <laughs> <laughs> yes that is that that shall be the the transition First, um, what I thought was interesting about you talking about Ethan and things like that. 
He said that he didn't do much research on like serial killers because that makes sense. Yeah. Not wanting to, you know, be influenced by others. That's crazy. Um, But apparently oh i got some stuff about the mask i know you got some stuff about the mask i got some good shit about the mask i i know um but basically one thing was like they made the eyes wider Mm -hmm. so that they could tell it was ethan because they were like why hire ethan if you're not gonna Gonna be able able to tell tell that his eyes are like doing the acting yeah but apparently uh, um let's see wait are you gonna do the thing that i think you're gonna do do you want to do it I don't know if I'm going to do the thing that you're going to do. You say your thing. Say your thing. Is it about scaring someone on accident? No. Okay. Oh, wait. Mm, no. Go for it. You go for yours then. It's um basically, it has to do with uh, Derrickson. And when Ethan was like trying on the mask for the first time. Yes. That's what? Maybe. Okay. So basically they show up to Ethan's office. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's the same one. Yeah. Yep, yep, yes yep. we both found the same thing it's it's good it's good i have the whole quote from it yeah yeah same you go yes you say it you want me to say it? yeah go for sure? it mm-hmm. all right okay we took all the masks to ethan's office to make sure everything fitted as he was comfortable mm-hmm. uh ethan is so sweet and accommodating i show up and ethan's got like a soy latte and a vegan muffin for me then he puts the mask on and all of a sudden things start to click. You get to see gears start to turn. And I'm like, I know I made this, but I don't like it. And I want to leave. It's broad daylight and he's doing little maneuvers and whispering and talking. And I was like, this is terrifying. Yeah. Like, I thought that was so funny. Like, Derrickson. He scared himself. You scared yourself. Which, yeah. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. But I love that Ethan was able to like, like, he obviously didn't want to research serial killers yes he said he researched like other villains and things like that and he obviously knows that he said that madness and sickness exists Mm -hmm. but you know yeah and so he just took that into his own and was able to create this and um oh yeah apparently he scared mason on set yes i love that yes that's great (laughs) did you notice that throughout the movie the masks were different yes yes Mm -hmm. yes slay they were like interchangeable which goes into my next thing yeah so apparently tom savini legend yes yes i have that too yes Uh so he made the different masks oh that's funny that's right i forgot about that so i guess who was it was it uh derrickson who said he wanted someone younger you don't have this no all right so apparently derrickson was like no i wanted someone younger to like help make and create the mask but savini delivered yeah a legend stays a legend yeah um you don't unlegend that mm -hmm. no but apparently he like uh they got the inspiration from the mask for covid because apparently they had like been oh. making um and designing masks that like safety masks that were that i did not know yeah they were horror themed it was like uh jason's hockey mask um oh, vampire yeah. from salem's lot makes sense like just multiple different creepy masks and so um savini took that and like 
apparently Derrickson said that he like drew it, came back really quickly with yes, the sketch. Yes. And like that was it. That was it. The first no choice was like was it has it. to be exactly this. Yeah. So that was really cool. Yeah, I mean I, I have part of that here. What was the other thing about it? Because so Tom gave me a sketch and he had done himself. Mm-hmm. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh well, this is what we're doing. Yep. It was really amazing. However, it turned out that bringing the sketch of the mask to life proved to be a bit difficult than expected. Derrickson continued, oh. we spent two solid months Damn. just rejecting the things that they were sending me. I kept going. It needs to look exactly like Tom's artwork. Wow. It was much more of a challenge than I was expecting. That's he crazy. basically was like for two months, he's like, nope, wrong. Nope. nope. It, nope. It, it, make it like the sketch. Okay. How many times can you say make it like the sketch before they finally make it like the fucking sketch? I know. Two months, apparently. Over two months. That's crazy. But because even um, a little bit about the mask is the idea that um, even when Ethan was talking about it, he was like, it's interchangeable. It, it was almost yeah. like um, he was working with like a puzzle on his own face. Which brings me to my next point. And I thought this was so interesting. Yeah. So obviously the grabber looks like something not quite human. Yes. Like another being from hell or something like that. Yes. Um, obviously represents trauma that's what yes it was meant to do yes apparently derrickson gave a little hint like um he said there's almost some kind of multiple personality disorder going on there mm-hmm. and that is what is so cool so it's theorized that the grabber has did you know what i wouldn't be surprised and that's why he's so like that's why he wears the mask mm-hmm. because he's so ashamed and like why it's in done, multiple pieces. Why it's in multiple pieces so he can reflect his different like personalities or how he's different feeling. Different versions, yeah. In different versions. Because um, he definitely felt different in many of the scenes. Yes. And even was like, that wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. In the very beginning when he's talking to... Um, when Finn's when like... When Finn finally gets grabbed. You're the one who killed all the others. And, and he's, he's like, like that, that wasn't, wasn't me. me. Yeah, it was. And, and even and the one where he's like... Because he, he even calls him a different name. He calls he him calls Johnny. Him Johnny. Mm-hmm. And then later when it's the scene of being, when it's like, I just wanted to look at you. He felt very feminine in that moment. Yes. Yeah. Because it's the, the hands yeah. under the, mm-hmm. you know, I just, like, yeah. Like I you can definitely it. tell different things. Yeah. And I thought that that was just so interesting. Yeah. So obviously people with DID, it's like their stuff comes from like really heavy based trauma yes and that's their way of like coping with things yes. to like like they create these personalities so that they can deal with the trauma yes. that they've had and like put it the personality is the one that comes forward to deal with the thing yes yes that has traumatized them and so basically that's what like where naughty boy comes from like that's something yes. he probably could have dealt with when he was younger by mm-hmm. his dad and so especially the intentional like sitting themselves in a space yeah and with like a belt like ready to whip someone if they like, found them out mm-hmm, of place mm-hmm. yep it's definitely yeah like he's it definitely felt like that's something he went through yeah as a kid yes uh especially with um you know his brother's a drug addict yes he could have gotten that from his father yeah which led to many different things and you know it's just obviously the whole phone not working since childhood like yep. did he hear the phone when he was mm-hmm. in that room when he was younger yeah 
And what does that mean? That's crazy. That leads to a whole other rabbit hole of things. Like, did his dad, was someone else killing people? Yeah, was his dad Has that phone always been disconnected? Right. And if so, if it was ringing, is that like a schizophrenia thing or is that an actual psychic thing yeah like you because it's also the idea similar to like the comments about the mom right and i it's also compares to like alcoholic father beats his kids yep that type of thing yeah which is why finney and him like relate but also not yes like they both hear the phone they Mm -hmm. both probably had abusive fathers like but finney's already dealing with it in more stride than him yes and it's also one of those things i'm gonna say this right now Look, when the dad came, like, crying and apologizing at the end, I was like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, same. Like, it didn't, like, obviously, yes, there's a level of sincerity because it's the idea of they're still his kids. He can still be like, oh, my God, you're alive and you're safe. But also, fix your shit, dude. Mm -hmm. It's like your children's safety. If you were afraid to lose them. Right. Stop being, like, fix yourself get some help don't beat your kids like the like you did mm-hmm. and also like chill out on the alcohol yeah like be I a mean, better person obviously i think that's definitely something that he picked up after their mom's death but at the yeah. same time why would you do that if you're the only thing that your kids are relying on yes if you're supposed to be the safe space and the protector mm-hmm. and obviously gwen felt that she did have a spot like yeah in order to like go um to talk to him like she felt a little at least a little bit comfortable to go talk to him about that but she had to preface it with like please don't get mad yeah please don't beat me like you just did earlier yeah and the fact that like you can tell that there's some level of him trying to be better because he he acquiesced and took her driving to look for the house so like so you know, he's trying. He just needs to try harder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And hopefully almost losing his kids will be the yeah. thing that does it. Because pain creates change. Yeah. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I do think it's interesting that they are talking about a second movie. Yes. 2024, 2025. Probably 2025 with all the strikes. Yes. Happening. Yes. Which also, we, we, we support. We stand. Yes. But I think it would be... I don't know how they would do a sequel. I think they need to do a prequel. Yes. A prequel would be fascinating because I don't know how they would do a sequel. Unless I don't either. Unless it was a situation like someone, like a lot of serial killer films. It's they have the serial killer film, which would be the black phone. Mm-hmm. And the second one would be like black phone two. And it would focus on someone being a copycat. Yeah. Which a copycat killer. Boo. I'd rather get a prequel. I'd rather see why the grabber became the grabber. What happened to their mom? What, or maybe even that could be connected. The initial kids. Yeah. Process. The other kids like getting them, going through it. Those things. Mm-hmm. Like what led up to what made. Because my thing is, is what I led up to his first to grabbing. Who in what order did they die in it's a good question so so here's my theory obviously the longer they stay the more they forget so the thing is is but that's also weird Mm -hmm. so here's my thing griffin the unfortunate kid that no one remembered yeah nobody knew who he was i think he was the first to die i'm gonna agree with that i think he was the very first one to be killed Mm -hmm. the second one i think was billy the paper boy yes but what's weird is the fact that the one kid 
didn't remember his name. The first one didn't remember his name, didn't remember anything fully, except for the fact that he knew he was invisible and that no one knew who he was until the papers came out. Right. But the next one, he knew he was a paper boy. Mm-hmm. He didn't know his name and also didn't want to be referred to as his name. Right. He wanted to be referred to as paper boy. Now, obviously, Vance was the next, was the third one to get killed. He, it, it felt like he knew who he was, but not at the same time. Yeah. Like, he seemed like he couldn't, he was more of the vengeful spirit because he oh, couldn't sure. give a shit who he was. He just knew he wanted to get back at the guy. Yep. And that's all that mattered to him. And then. Which, fair enough. He yeah. carved shit into that one guy's arm. So. Yes. He doesn't care about anything. And then, obviously, Bruce. Mm-hmm. But what's weird is Bruce forgot his name. Already forgot his name. Mm-hmm. But knew. But knew Finny. Knew Finny. Finny knew he knew who Finney was. So I don't know and what's up with that. obviously Robin being the most recent, he remembered everything without question. Yeah. So, so I don't definitely really fascinating. know. Also the fact that I really do believe that Billy should have had at least some phrase in yeah, that list of phrases. Yeah, he didn't. Because what did Billy tell him in the... He was just... Wasn't he the one who told him that he's asleep upstairs? No, that was Griffin. No, that was Griffin. You don't have much time. Billy was the one who told him about the cord in the wall yes billy is the one that told him about the cord yes and yes, not to yes. go upstairs otherwise he was gonna get beat yes yes yeah he gave him billy was the first boy to get in contact because bruce. he's the one oh it was yes. bruce 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 was the first one then it was billy mm-hmm. because bruce, billy griffin vance bruce Robin. is the one who who was just talking to him and mentioned the dirt hole yes but billy is the one who told him not to go upstairs. Correct. Was the first one to say, don't go upstairs because he's going to beat you with a belt. Mm-hmm. I honestly believe that not just stabbing, but I feel like the majority of the injuries on his body was because of being beaten with a belt. Oh, for sure. Because I feel like progressively over the film, because we were able to like freeze frame, like I mean legit, like I was like milliseconding oh, yeah. it to try towards the end. There's a flash on screen of all of all five of the boys standing up there all bloodied and like like they're already uh, dead and and all that kind of stuff just to see what the injuries were on them because some scenes you could see it clearly and some scenes you definitely could not like we know how how griffin died that boy had like from ear to ear he had a big old gash in his neck that was griffin because he was the one that was hanging in the air that was griffin Mm mm-hmm because he's the one who had the bike. You're correct. Yes. The bike lock. Yeah. He was killed. I would say he's the he's the one that was killed the most brutally. Mm-hmm. Robin had the most injuries because he was probably the most defensive. Yeah. Vance just. Ooh. I think I think Vance started shit, but I think the second he broke through the wall, he was immediately killed. Oh yeah. I don't think he made it past that point. Well, he said that after that he took his time with him. Yeah. But I think that's when he started to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like each iteration of what the boys were trying to tell him to do got each one of them killed. Right. Yeah. It's it's At crazy. least to some degree. I read this. I'm not sure if this is true. But yeah. apparently the paper boy is in reference to a real life boy mm. in Iowa who was also a paper boy who vanished while he was out throwing out the papers, you know, giving everybody their papers with his dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his dog was found, but the disappearance is still not ah, solved that's interesting yeah so so that one was at least based on 
a real person that had happened to. Mm-hmm. That's some yeah, that was interesting. Kim. Interesting. What I find crazy about this all is that I don't know if this is true either. Yeah. But apparently the script was written in six weeks and then it was filmed in just over a month. What? Yeah. I don't know if that's true. I mean, but I mean, because even in their in their stuff, uh, some of the research that I did about like the special effects and stuff, mm-hmm. like yes, obviously there were special, pre-production probably there was took some special a while. effects, especially like the scene with Vance when he gets ripped back into the spirit oh, world. Oh yeah. Um, like that obviously they used they relied on um like dozens dozens like the whole thing they had dozens of nuanced visual effects that heightened the the visceral impact of the paranormal Mm -hmm. events without ever taking the audience out of the seemingly real world yeah basically the biggest one was the the doppelganger of vance making sure that the movement still felt real and at the same times like the velocity of the effect had to be slow enough so that the character would still look real as it was being thrown into the void. They did a pretty good job. They honestly, they did. They had I the whole know. thing rigged for him. Yeah. I want to know where he went. He went where into the void. Where did he get like ripped into? World. Like where they all are? Yes. Okay. When they can't manifest in the real world. Right. But yeah, all that. Crazy. Beyond the veil. Mm-hmm. Because it's interesting because sometimes Finn can see them. And sometimes Finn sees them interact with things. Yeah. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Because he definitely sees Griffin. Oh, yeah. He definitely, but he also definitely sees Billy using the bottle. Yeah. And fucking Vance throws the bottles and shakes the room with a yeah. scream. Mm-hmm. So I wonder what determines why he can see them and not. Probably similar to his sister. Yeah, it just depends. I would say it depends. For her, I think it's more she can see them end of story yeah i think for him it's more of um because in the spiritual world some people can only see them Mm -hmm. some people can only hear them and some people have a mixture of the two yeah it's the clear audience clairvoyance clear sentient all those things Yeah, yeah 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 it's pretty cool i love that right off the bat we're like, oh, his sister's the one with the psychic abilities. And then we're like, oh, oh he's, he's got them got too. It too. He's got some of that too. Yeah. That was very interesting to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, something that, that was mentioned, again, in an interview with um, Ethan, mm-hmm. was about his comments about Mason. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that he said that he noticed was how much more knowledgeable people at his age were about movies Mm. because he didn't because ethan didn't have like any idea about how a movie was made when he first started started, doing um, movies and for him it was just like wonderment whereas i guess mason sometimes on set he would be like he'd be talking to the director and it would be like hey scott why don't we do a push in on this yeah like he would give like a like a hey this How would be a cool suggestion middle school age yeah and that maybe high school Which the difference is is that the current generations of people yeah have more of the vocabulary than they did in generations past mm-hmm. and that he some one of the uh, interviewers asked like oh did mason ever ask you for advice and Ethan was like, oh, I, like, even when I was a kid, I hated it and didn't really understand when adults gave me advice because I just didn't get it. Right. So 
he would not push advice onto him because he's like, no, nah, this kid knows knows what he's knows doing. what he's doing. Like, yeah. I, I, what advice am I going to give him? Mm-hmm. Like, right? You know, it, yeah. it just it's it's interesting because that's the difference mm-hmm. of the different eras in which people start and things. Yeah, because when it's newer, there's less information. Mm-hmm. But now it's been going on for and it also has to do with technology. Yes. The fact that we have access to all that the information. Internet. Anyone yeah. can learn anything about anything. It's true. If you think you don't know how to do something or you don't know something about a certain thing, look it up. Google it. It's you have all the power in the palm of your hand yep we literally carry literally small computers in our pockets in every our day. pockets what i love about ethan he was just so happy about all the kids on set yeah he was like they bring me joy he's just he's just a peach yeah he's so wholesome just a peach of a person yes he looks so much sweeter yes yes as a human being yes than he does as the grabber it's almost kind of funny because it's almost like in the scene when when Finney is like beating up on him. Yeah. And he the mask comes off. He's like, he no. To, he has to cover his face. Otherwise, everyone's going to be like, oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> you look so nice. <laughs> right. It's yeah. like, it's like, you just like, for some reason, which is weird because in Moon Knight, he felt sinister. A little bit, yeah. So there's definitely like, oh, that was another thing. He actually, apparently, he did, like, he, when he was, when he was, lear- like, doing acting stuff, he actually learned, like, he had classes where he learned how to act in masks. Wow. That's pretty cool. Like, he learned how to act with masks on. Well, that because it's came in handy for the, this. Yeah, exactly. Because it's the idea that like, yes, masks remove a part of your personality and mm-hmm. like visual identification, but it also gives you a level of anonymity. True. And allows you to be different than you would normally be. And it's also like you can play with your voice more. Yep. That's you what can, you said. Maybe your eye, like if your eyes are showing through. Oh, yeah. He was acting with his eyes, mm-hmm. but his voice was also part of the acting because of the fact that he could change the way Mm -hmm. that he sounded by using his voice differently behind the mask and also depending on what mask is on oh could also depend on like how it resonates through it and Mm -hmm. how like if it's a thinner or a thicker material or just like in here how it changed like with a smile or if it was a frown or just no face at all like yes yeah which is so fascinating i think it's very cool and i also really like the fact that the mask was like two-part interchangeable yeah like the bottom half came off and the top yeah so like sometimes you saw the bottom half of his face and sometimes you saw the top half of his face so it's almost like if you could pay attention enough you could maybe piece together his face but because of those mask bits you it's your brain can't put them together Mm mm-hmm Without putting just the mask together. Yeah. Fascinating. I'm so mad that we can't experience oh. HHN again for the first time. I'm not going to lie. That made me... Now that we've seen this and I love this movie, I'm so disappointed in my past self. No, me too. For not having watched the black phone so that I could truthfully experience that HHN house. Because one... Because it would have been so cool. It was so cool. Two, also besides the universal monster scare that we had, that was one of the worst scares that I've ever had. Yes. The guy got right in in my face. Dude was like up there. Like an inch away. I was like, oh my God. I was so And you want to know what? I feel like it would have been even worse. If I knew knew the context. Yeah. 
and knew what was going on. Yeah. Oh, heartbreaking. <sighs> hey. But it's okay. Hey, Universal. Bring the house back. Bring a solitary house for the black phone. Yeah, it's just one. Just like Not one freaky mix long black ass phone. beautiful house that just brings us through that film because mm-hmm. honestly it deserves a like a solo house yeah and i'm not gonna lie to you i go through so many houses every year it could look like the house i forget of the house. about what the houses are sometimes but this one has stuck with, with me yeah. yeah so yeah like honestly it could be you there could be the exterior of the house yes yeah oh mm-hmm. and then you walk in through the front door and you can there's like a max with the like hey my weird ass me trying to figure yes. shit out and then you go snorting cocaine oh and then my you God. go to like a hallway and it's like you go get into the basement and you see him pacing and yep. the ghosts and shit like it yep. would be such a good house it would be i mean it was already i but, know mm-hmm. but like one beautiful long house would be fantastic yes do it universal please bring it back for my birthday next year again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all ways the excuse yeah do it for my birthday do it for my birthday <sighs> but yeah very good very good yeah man shit's good it's it a is. good ass film it is. honestly and if you haven't seen it watch it truthfully it is read the book it well. is powerful sorrowful and just it's it's vindicating yes because it's it's almost like you're watching this person so like with the aid he's not and here's the thing here's the other big thing that is so effing different that i think is part of the reason why it's so satisfying is that in the beginning yes he was afraid of the phone for like a couple seconds and then when he answered the phone and started to hear voices he was freaked out but he didn't stop no he listened yeah he paid attention and he used and he followed through yes and then if something didn't work he he you know he he ad-libbed he yeah he figured out a new way to use it way to use it and it's honestly just the fact that he knew that if the phone rang like when the door he knew that if when the door was open, when he went to it to open it and the phone rang, instead of ignoring it and going upstairs, he, he went answered. to the phone. He knew. But the fact that he didn't yeah. do the standard tropes of people who are in horror films, yeah. that he actually was like, He nah, wasn't stupid about it. This phone, these people mm-hmm. on the other line, I know who they are. Yeah. I know clearly bad shit's happened they know what's up they're gonna tell me how to get out of this Mm -hmm. and i just it's uh, i love that it's the first even though we might think he might do something stupid and then he doesn't and you're like good good yes do what you have to do like you did a halfway check yes but it's like you want to know why it's so vindicating is because it's the first time we've had someone who didn't who's not stupid right yeah (laughs) He wasn't who stupid. Who didn't do classic horror tropes. Yeah. He didn't do the classic. He didn't Mm-mm. play into the villain's story. Yeah. Which, like, the other boys had done, I guess. Like, yeah. they did things that, you know. They were basically the first five films. Yeah. Yep. Griffin, Billy, Vance, Bruce, Robin. Yeah. It took five Imagine five films before we finally got the film that did it correctly. 
It's crazy. But I just, I love how this movie was just like working together against people who might be hurting you or harming you in some way and just coming together as a group and figuring a situation out and helping each other through things. And the fact that they actually wanted to help. Yeah. Vince, Vance, not Vince, Vance. Vance, different We'll put him in a different category. Yeah, he's a, yeah. Because he helped, but like he was, you know him it, he was doing it for him but he was still helping out because otherwise he wouldn't have or, spoken well, he said it wasn't about you it could be about himself and the other boys that had died like obviously to... no he for him it was i want to get back at him yeah for him it was i just want to fuck him over fair enough i'm just i'm trying to find but like even in his vindictive side he still helped him yeah so that it could end up in the way mm-hmm. that it, he wanted it and it's also just like you hear about serial killers and all of the people that they have killed and it's just like obviously this isn't real but it gives you a sense of ah you got away yeah the killer was killed there is justice that so many other kids been able to do yeah he ended it yeah so no one else had to deal with it Mm -hmm. and And it's powerful it's really good yeah also the sibling love just love love all around yes care care actually giving a shit yep you know it's a good thing yeah (sighs) And with that, um, I got my one star oh, reviews. One? Oh shit, she's got her one star. My Let's one star it. reviews. Go it's for a, it. It's a it's our segment. Okay, our one star segment. First one. I will never forgive myself for wasting twenty dollars. It's been a year. Have you have you forgiven yourself yet? Have you? Probably That's not. So offensive. He's gonna be like eighty, being like, "Damn, I spent twenty bucks so long ago." On a shitty movie. I could have used those 20 bucks. I could have used those 20 bucks for Anything uh, some scratch-offs and a pack of cigarettes. Honestly, that ass. That's tough, bro. Um, I hope you forgive yourself someday. Next. Apparently, this one's from a guy in Ireland who decided to watch a movie on a wet, rainy day. He said, found the plot to be as slow as a wet day in Ireland. What? What? Do you hate where you live? <laughs> like as well? As but also the question movie? is is like are you American or are you from Ireland? Because how would you know? But also how are you going to relate? Like I can get you can relate. Mm-hmm. But also yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Why? I know. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. I was very confused. Cuz you said you found the plot. But but like found the plot to be as slow as a wet day in ireland what do you really hate where you live that much like move like move if you don't like it move away anyway i hope you find a place that's better suited for you yeah next one a waste of 1.4 hours of my life i want to know why they were so specific because it's an hour and 40 minutes obviously but like you know (laughs) three and a quarter months the thing is this quote kept going and they were like, oh, my God, there was another mm-hmm. one I found. It was like, go to your local hardware store. And I was like, what, to, like, get killing supplies? What are you doing? And then he was like, go buy a bucket of paint. Now paint your walls. Now sit and watch it dry. That was like watching this movie. And I was like, reading your comment was, was like, like doing all that. of that. Yeah. That was like watching yeah, the Yeah, the 1.4 hours long Oddly is specific is the you had time to write that three and quarter month old that three and qu- three quarter month old it's the equivalent of three, three and quarter, quarter month old, month old. <laughs> which one does it mean what does it mean 
no fucking clue. <laughs> no one will know. Is it really young or is it just an older kid? And like, Who obviously, it's an hour and 40 minutes. However, like, yes. you couldn't have just said hour and a half or like two hours, please. Or just not mentioned how long it was. Because also, an hour and 40 minutes, okay, 1.4 is out of 10. Bitch, that math isn't mathing. The movies that we fucking just watched, dead ass, just one of them was like an hour and 58 minutes long. It was almost a two hour film. Mm hmm. Yep. Yeah. I don't even want to hear it. Mm mm. Mm mm. I was like, ooh, this movie's so short. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ooh, ooh, yay. Yeah. Okay. Next one. This is a one star review. Yeah. This movie is terrifying. A great horror film reminiscent of Stephen King stories. Um, uh, what did you wait mm -hmm. you heard a, me correctly uh, a great horror film this movie is terrifying how? one star's know? work i don't know maybe it was a plot to like get people who are reading the one star reviews to like actually go and watch it or it was a mistake or i don't know i have no clue because there's like nowhere in this world where you would be like, ah, yes, one star. Great movie. <laughs> what? There's no, there's no fucking place in this, in this world That's where you're like, one star. Great. I was like, Five star what? shit movie. What? <laughs> do, what, are you, what scale do you so work like, off of? It had to have been an accident, but I just thought finding that in the one stars was so funny. Like, what are you doing so down here? weird. Go back up to the top floor. Like, you need to just chill out. You need to like, I don't know. <laughs> Take a nap. Drink some water. Are you drunk? Do you need a moment? <laughs> Maybe. Figures yourself out, dude. It's probably. Because you're confused. Go home. Yeah. And last one. Yes. Clearly written for angsty teenage boys. Well, I guess I'm an angsty teenage boy. No. Because I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so fucking confused. In what fucking world is this for an angsty teenaged boy? Because I'm going to tell you right the fuck now I mean, you that if you, the want, if you want an angsty teenaged boy film, mm -hmm. it is not going to be about a boy who gets trapped by a fucking serial killer no. and who's helped by ghosts. No, it's going to be the new it's Ninja Turtle be, movie. No, it's not even going to be a new Ninja Turtle movie. It's going to be like American Pie mm. or some shit that's like raunchy mm -hmm. and has like sexy ladies in it dracula <laughs> honestly for the time probably yeah angsty teenage our 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 dads yes they were once angsty teenage boys yes but this movie not even fucking close not no. even fucking close to the word angsty no like anxiety inducing or causing you to be anxious yes but angsty I don't think you know the definition of the word angsty. Right. I think they thought that was a cool phrase that people used. Like, and that's you what are, they said. Unfortunately, like most of the people wrong. in the one star reviews mm -hmm. trying to sound like they're so smart. But in reality, you're speaking mm -hmm. stupid. You mean the uncouth masses? Uncouth masses. I'm sorry. Three I and just a love month. these. <laughs> like 1.4 hours. I've never been more happy to read these because then i can just use it against them no yeah and if you wrote these i'm sorry but also not because get your get your facts straight get your grammar right and do mm -hmm. better look if you don't know the word google it <laughs> look it up write the word 
and then definition Mm -hmm. so that you don't use it improperly. Again, we have technology in our pockets. It's so easy. You're afraid to drop your laptop or any other part of your computer, but your phone can fall on the floor, but it still fucking works. (laughs) So I promise you. Anyway, don't believe these one star reviews because they're funny. They're stupid. That's why I read them. Unless the movie was... If we watch a movie and it's genuinely one star, I'm still going to put a one star review. Because then we're just going to be sitting here like, yeah, that's true. I agree with that. Facts. That's... Yeah. Yes. Exactly. But But so far... this was a five star in my book. A hundred percent. Five star. I've seen it twice. Ten out of ten. I've seen it three times. I might watch it Beautiful. Who knows? That might be... You want to know what? I could see that movie being a comfort film. I've already thought of that. I'm already (laughs) like, yeah, this is probably going to be a comfort film of mine. I just need like a rainy day film. Exactly. phone. Rainy day if I'm feeling spooky... If I'm feeling like I want a com- like As black I want phone and to feel vindicated, juice. yes, black phone and Beetlejuice, black the b- 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 bees, the Beetlejuice, and the Boogeyman, and the Boogeyman. So black the phone, Beetlejuice, the, the Boogeyman, the B movies, the B movies, and the B movie. Yeah. <laughs> Oof, that <laughs> no. is a horror film in and of itself <laughs> exactly. for totally different reasons. Exactly, the fact that God people would like copy graphics. paste the full script. And like send it off places. I'm not gonna lie to you. You I had someone on Twitch that I was watching who at one of their highest level tiers for like bit donations Mm -hmm. was that the alert would tell the entire script of the B movie. Absolutely not. And guess what the fuck happened one day? It would go on for hours. While they were on stream, someone donated. No, nope, nope. No, no, no. And so the whole... He probably has the whole intro to that movie ingrained in his brain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. So... Follow us. Do it. Or or the grabber will come get you and haunt you. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Horror Unmasked. Uh, listen to us on Spotify, iTunes at Horror Unmasked Podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Horror Unmasked Podcast. Send us an email. Leave us a review. Any five-star reviews? Only good ones. Only five-star reviews are allowed. You are not allowed to give us shitty one-star reviews like these people because you will sound as dumb as these people here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you. Especially the terrifying great movie one star <laughs> that's exactly what you're gonna sound like that's what you're gonna sound like yeah you don't want to sound like that no <laughs> anyway our next episode is going to be our session two so Today. that'll be fun mm-hmm. and i think with that there's only one thing left to ask will you fear or will you fear not <laughs> <laughs>